This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7. And uh, right now, it's Bulldogs versus Bulldogs, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, SEC Network inside Sanford Stadium. George is back in Sanford Stadium for the first time in over a month. And uh, Mississippi State's getting close to that threshold from, from reports uh, – the, the, the Bulldogs from the SEC West are, are kind of getting close to that 53-man threshold, and it doesn't seem like COVID has a ton to do with it outside of the opt-outs. Uh, there's some injuries going on, and, you know, the next couple of days are going to tell the whole story. This game is not, you know, just like sitting in a safe place in terms of being played, but it's on for now, and uh, we'll, uh, we're, we're not really going to get into a lot of that because – Honestly, we don't know a lot about that, and it's just not really productive to talk about it. We're going to talk about the game itself. Uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time on Anthony Edwards getting taken number one overall in the 2020 NBA draft by the Minnesota Timberwolves, and uh, then we're going to make our predictions on Georgia-Mississippi State. And um, I guess I want to start with this because, uh, you know, as I was talking there, you know, you, you kind of have two things going through your mind, Rusty, and something that came up before the show is – you know, there's reports out there that that uh, JT Daniels is going to be Georgia's starting quarterback on Saturday. Let me let um, me finish that for you. I, I, don't, I don't know where everybody's been the past couple of weeks. Jake, you've been but. all over that. You, Jake, <laughs> been all over that for two weeks. So, you know, listen, I understand what was said last night. I understand why it made headlines. But people that are listening to our podcast that are not members and you want to skip that Chick-fil-A once a month, to be a member, that's six, seven, eight, nine bucks, whatever it is now. Uh, Jake Rowe for two weeks has been all over this, and he's been over this every single practice report. I don't have to text Jake. I don't have to ask Jake when something's going on. We can go to the site nightly. In fact, the people get pissed now, Jake, if you don't get there by 630. But every single night, Jake Rowe has written that JT Daniels is getting majority and if or not all of the first team reps for two weeks now. So Jake, kudos, you're all over that. But the people that listen to our podcast and and we and thank you so much. I did talk to the officer of the day. We're getting crazy plays right now, which we, we are very appreciative of. But if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a subscriber to Dogs Two Four Seven, just go get one month. Go spend one month, and I guarantee you, you will not cancel because this news is not news to our guys and that's what you pay for to know what's going on daily uh, in this world where people are spending more time at home on their phones watching news kind of being with their families and you get to lock in more each night it seems like jake Rowe has been all over this one i appreciate it rusty the, the shout out um, i'm i'm glad just glad our people have kind of known about it and uh, it was just kind of barely mentioned last night and uh 
But, yeah, I mean, so, you know, JT Daniels has been getting first-team work dating back to last Monday. We've had that after every practice. Uh, and uh, he's going to get the start uh, from, from all, you know, from all indications, you know, barring some kind of setback or, or something just kind of weird happening. He's just gotten a ton of first-team reps. And um, we want to get to that in just a little bit. Uh, but before we do, let's just kind of do what we do every preview show and uh, – just kind of discuss, you know, just some basic thoughts on this game and where these two get, two teams are and and kind of what what it means for Georgia in this one. Georgia's the team that that's four and two and, and is not mathematically at the SEC, although severely behind the eight ball. And uh, Rusty, I'm gonna go to you first, man. What what are kind of your thoughts on this game and 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 what it means for Georgia to to get back on the field? You know, two weeks after a loss to Florida. Because both of Georgia's losses this year have featured a two-week period for folks to kind of marinate on. Yeah, <laughs> yep, that's the truth for for all of us to marinate uh, with this boards and everything else. But there's nothing more of a cure for a loss than playing a game. And Jake, it seems like Kip, it seems like Georgia hadn't been home since like Labor Day weekend. Um, you know, this is this game to me. No offense to Mississippi State. This game is about Georgia. This game, to me, is, you know, what Georgia is under Kirby Smart when they're kind of – the odds are stacked against them to make the SECs in a different year. I thought the tweet the other day by Richard LeCount was great. Basically said, look, I'm here to finish out this career. I'm trying to get back. This kid – this kid's lucky to be alive. Let's just be honest. I know a little bit more of the details. And, I mean, he was very, very fortunate. And just a couple of weeks after that, th- this young man is saying he's going to finish off the season uh, the way he came to Georgia, and that's in pads and on the field and where some other guys and some other places aren't. So this game's about Georgia, and it's not just about JT Daniels. Listen, I, I, listen we're, I'm not stupid. I know what, what the, the eyes of the Bulldog Nation and college football. College football wants to know what Georgia's doing at the quarterback position. I just think that th- this game, let's see where they are defensively. Let's see if this team's checked in because, Jake, I know you'll dig into this more, but this this is the type of team that takes patience. And this is not – you got to sit back on a team like this. You know, that first game against LSU, they ran all those rub routes. And, you know, I think everybody has been a little bit more patient. I think Barry Odom's the one that came back and set in zone against them. And you got to pick your poison, pick your time for them to come after them at – uh, you know they're down a little bit too, but to me, let's see where they are. How fast? How hard are these kids playing? Let's see a guy like Adam Anderson, Jermaine Johnson. Let's see those guys get after the quarterback. Let's see some of these younger kids play. Let's see Georgia. Nobody wants to see. I'll, I'll be the guy. I'll be the big elephant in the room. I'll say it. Nobody wants to see Georgia beat Mississippi State twenty-seven to six and rush for three hundred and thirty yards. Okay, there's bigger. There's bigger things going on with Georgia right now. They want to see a balanced offense. They want to see th- throw the ball down the field, um, open this thing up. Because this is a team, quite frankly, and Jake and Kip, I'm sure you agree, this is a team right now Georgia should dominate. And Georgia should have a very good opportunity to showcase to some of their recruits uh, that this is, what, this is what we're trying to do offensively. This is what we're doing moving forward. So, you know, no offense to Mississippi State right now. They just don't have the horses to play with Georgia, in my opinion, for four quarters. Um, it's going to be cool to see, you know, Leach and Athens and what he brings. But right now, they don't have the they don't have the bullets for this type of a, a gun battle between, uh, you know, Georgia and Mississippi State, in my opinion. And um, you really want to see where they are offensively. 
and how the kids respond on the defensive side after kind of a lackluster performance against Florida and Alabama second half for sure. Definitely interesting comments on the defense there, Rusty, because um, a lot of guys, you know, going to have a chance to go play pro ball next year. And, uh, you know, you kind of want them to have that Richard LeCount mentality of him coming out on Twitter and saying, hey, I'll finish my career on the field as a Bulldog. Uh, you kind of want them to kind of have that that feel about it, and I, I definitely think that's going to be something to watch in this game, um, considering you know Mississippi State has uh, has an offensive minded head coach, a guy that likes to sling it around, and Kirby has kind of been quite open this week with the challenges. He even compared it a little bit to the triple option in terms of how much you have to change yourself and and do new things to stop it. Uh, Kip, what 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 are your thoughts kind of heading into this game? Just kind of looking at Mississippi State, it's it's really surprising just to see how, you know, everyone talked about Mike Leach coming in and, and jump-starting Mississippi State's offense. But, I mean, I know this year has affected every program and it's created a lot of challenges, but it's just really surprising, shocking really, just to see how bad that offense has been. I mean, it's – it's the worst offense they've had in over a decade, statistically. And you just kind of look at it on the flip side. You know, their defense, they, they lost like seven starters. They were like 73rd, 75th in the country in defense last year. And that's they're doing all the heavy lifting for Mississippi State so far this year. So And they're running a defense that they haven't run in almost two decades. They're, I think they're running a 3-3-5 scheme there. I just I'm really impressed with defensive coordinator Zach Arnett. He came in from uh, San Diego State, I believe. He'd been there for for several years, and just the job that he's been able to do there, it, it's it's just really impressive. And you have an offense that just has been sputtering all year, and their run defense is legit. It's a top three run defense in the conference. Uh, their defense overall has been playing well, and then. And they had guys opt out before the season. They lost even more guys. And, you know, they've been able to continue to to play pretty strong football for the most part. So, you know, I've I just been impressed with that unit overall. And, you know, it's it's tough because this week they had, you know, they they lost two more guys opting out. And they lost uh, Nathan Pickering and I believe uh, Marcus Murphy, their starting safety. So, it's that that's got to be a real concern for him and them in general. But even though, you know, that being said, you just got to kind of tip your hat to him. He's, he's done one of the better jobs in the league in in the country this year, just, you know, rolling with it and, and having his guys ready to play. So I just think that's something that kind of stood out to me overall is that that's just not what people were talking about with Mississippi state coming into the year, but, you know, coming into this weekend, that's definitely the strength of that team is their ability to stop the run and just their, their overall level of play they've had on, on, on defense so far this year. Kip, you hit on something that I think is very important for this game, and it's the fact that the Mississippi State's sneaky good on defense. I mean, they are – I mean, I know that they haven't – the best teams they've played have kind of had some success against them, but, you know, they, they held Texas A&M to 28 points. Texas A&M's got a pretty good football team. Um, you know, I know Alabama took the foot off the gas after 41 nothing, but um, it, overall, this defense has done a pretty good job. I mean, it's right there in the top five, top three in, in run defense, pass defense, volume-based metrics like uh, like um, 
uh, yards per game and and both yards and then things that aren't really impacted by volume like yards per carry. I mean, it's a sneaky good defense. And this is why I don't really think this is a hot take or anything like that, but but I'm going to go kind of strong on it. And it's this is a really big game for Georgia. And it's not a really big game for Georgia to win because if Georgia loses a game, it's also really – loses this game, it's also really big. But it's a big game for Georgia to come out and and kind of basically say, we're tired of this. You know, we're, we're tired of – you know, for Kirby to kind of – and listen, I know he just wants to win games and, and all that stuff. And, and, you know, right or wrong, you know, that, that can serve you well in some moments and it can kind of, you know – make folks frustrated and, and others. But this is Kirby's opportunity to say, all right, listen, you know, JT Daniels is, is going to get the start at quarterback and we're going to cut him loose. And, and, and it's a tough time to do that because you are playing a pretty good defense and you do have a guy that's been on the shelf for 15 months. But at the same time, you've, you've got to kind of go out there and, and show, like Rusty said, recruits and, and maybe even national media that you've got a little juice there, that you've got some stuff you haven't tapped into. And Kirby has said that. But listen, I tell my wife I love her all the time. But when I do some things for her, when I she comes home and the and, and the entire kitchen and everything's clean and and all that other stuff, she she gets it. She gets it a little more. And Kirby has said over and over again, hey guys, the, we know we can play offense. We know we can be better on offense. We see it all the time. It hasn't translated to the field. And that's a big reason why I think JT Daniels is getting his opportunities because I think they've kind of figured out that, yes, yeah, Stetson Bennett may look good in practice uh, when, when they're preparing for the other team, and Dewan Mathis looked great in practice in the preseason, but, but those two have been unable to translate it to the field. And I think one of the reasons, one of probably many reasons JT Daniels is getting a shot is because they're, they're thinking, well, we got to have somebody who can take it out there on Saturday. And – it's important that Georgia takes it out there on Saturday. And and I think the passing game needs to be efficient. I think the passing game needs to show some signs of life and something to build on. I think that, that Georgia needs to do the things it's supposed to do, like wear Mississippi State down and maybe get some – this isn't a game to me where, yeah, you want to get this guy and that guy reps at quarterback there at the end of the game because JT Daniels needs all he can get. But – you want it to be that situation where you can call what you want to call and do what you want to do late third quarter, early fourth, and and kind of make this make this the type of game that it should be. Make it a game that looks like Georgia's pissed off and they're they're really upset that they're not uh, in control of their own destiny for the first time since 2016. And that's an opportunity Georgia has. And, and, and you know, it's not going to have a ton of eyeballs on it. it. may have more because of some cancellations, provided it's played. But, but that, to me, is what I'm really looking to extract from this game is how much does Georgia want it? How, how committed to Georgia uh, to, to uh, creating some momentum heading into the end of the season and maybe into 2021 is Georgia? And – is it time that they just kind of blow the lid off a little bit on offense or at least start to make it flutter some? Because that's that's what needs to happen for Georgia to win a title. I've, I've said it multiple times on this podcast. I don't think elite offense is the only way to win a national title, but it is absolutely the best way. And you've got to play offense better than Georgia has to have a chance at it the past two seasons. And uh, that, that's just where Georgia needs to go. And it needs to show some signs of maybe heading in that direction. 
Uh, guys, before we take a break, let's talk about this Anthony Edwards thing for a little bit. Take a quick little break from football. Um, number one overall pick, Rusty. I mean, it, Georgia's not a basketball school. And as we know, when we look at metrics from what we write and everything like that, him being taken number one overall didn't make all that big of an impact on, on you know, the, the business side for us. But, but how big is this for Georgia and the Georgia basketball program? You think Tom Crean can kind of build off of it and because and, uh, he's had quite a bit of success with getting guys drafted near the top of the draft, especially at the guard position. I mean, it's the ultimate, you know, answer to me. You know, he can walk into any living room and say, if you come to the University of Georgia, you can go number one. You know, our goal is to play in the NCAA tournament. Our goal is to win the SEC championship. Uh, our goal is to play in primetime games, and they got some some primetime games. The season probably didn't go as what they planned, but at the end of the day, they won one game in the NCAA turn, SEC tournament. The rest of it was canceled. No NCAA tournament, no pre-draft camps, and a player from the University of Georgia went number one overall in the NBA draft. Those, those are those are facts now. So, if Tom Kareem, I'm telling you, he knows what he's doing with this. That this right here is a invaluable recruiting tool. Because had Anthony Edwards gone fifth, every school in the country would have said, "Hey, man, you can't go number one from Georgia." Look what it cost him missing four spots by not coming to Kentucky, by not coming to Kansas, not coming to Duke. The guy went number one. He got $20 million guaranteed just last night. Just last night out of a $44 million deal. That's before endorsements and anything. So that was invaluable for Tom Crean in recruiting. So you can walk into any living room. may not get them, but you can walk into any living room and say, hey, you can do it at the University of Georgia. You know, Rusty, it's it's rare that you have a podcast and and you go into it thinking one way. You kind of changed my mind there a little bit. Um, I, I was going to kind of be at like TBD to be determined on this, but that was a really, really good point. The, hey, you can come to Georgia. Anthony Edwards would have been one or two coming out of high school if he could have been. But you go to Georgia and you still go number one. You know, that that that's something to hang your hat on a little bit. And, and, and listen, I know Georgia didn't have a lot of success, and I would have been interested to see how much fight they showed in the SEC tournament after winning that first game because I do think Georgia – there was a dangerous side to Georgia this year. There, there just was. I mean, Georgia routed Tennessee at home. Um, they, uh, they beat Auburn, I believe, at home as well uh, in Athens. Um, so and, and those, those were two pretty good basketball teams. So there was a dangerous side to Georgia run the table and win the SEC. I don't know. But I would have liked to have seen how much fight they had down the stretch, and Edwards was was uh, going to be a big part of that. Um, and then Rayshon Hammonds, uh, as we learned uh, today, signed with the uh, Indiana Pacers, didn't get drafted, but but did get there. So I, I do think that the, that now that you say it and you and you put it like that, I, I do think that there's something to capitalize on there, and it's still going to be TBD to see if Tom Crean can do that and then put the product on the floor that guys like Bruce Pearl and, and Rick Barnes have put on the floor because those aren't – I mean, Tennessee's more of a basketball school um, than, than Auburn is, but, but Bruce Pearl has, has even that matchup a little bit between basketball and football, and um, Tom Crean's trying to do the same at Georgia. Kip, what, you're, you're, you probably follow the NBA 
harder than any of us. He's stretching right now. How much time we got? <laughs> Kept coming out of a yoga move right now. Getting ready to talk about the hall. He is he's ready to setting his jaw. He's, he's got one of those uh, one of those uh, things you 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 uh, gnaw on all day right now, just getting ready to go. But you follow the NBA more than all of us. What what can this do for Georgia? He would have been a perfect fit in the Hawks next to Trey Young. Uh, I think you know just talking about his ability. It is a great fit with Minnesota. I know not everyone's really trying to get up to Minnesota to play right now. I know James Wiseman basically said he didn't even talk to to Minnesota. Kind of shared his opinion on where he wanted to go at that point. But I mean, he's got he's got long range touch. He can score off the dribble. I mean, he has that ability to drive to the basket and just bully ball people. So I think playing next to point guard D'Angelo Russell and, and having Carl Anthony Towns there as well, it, it's a good group for them. But it's it's a big moment for Georgia. And you know that Tom Crean is, is well aware of, you know, the impact of this because you just look at his Twitter feed. He's taking advantage of it. You saw the retweet he had from ESPN Stats. It's, you know, Tom Crean now is one of two coaches with John Calipari to have a top five NBA pick at three different schools and to be one of two and to be Tom Crean and, and John Calipari. I mean, that's that's pretty legendary, uh, you know, a group right there just to be those two guys for him to be able to say, hey, not only did I do this with Anthony Edwards, but, you know, I've also done this with Dwayne Wade at, at Marquette. I've had Victor Oladipo and Cody Zeller at Indiana. Uh, I, I think it's it, it's huge for Georgia's recruiting efforts, and it's just also, I mean, we, we joke about this year all the time, but the fact that Georgia had the number one pick and it was also the first time in the last decade that Duke did not produce a first-round pick, I mean, that's just another feather in Tom Crean's cap that you could say, look, I mean, I had the number one overall pick. Duke didn't even have a first-round pick this year. So, it, it, you know, you can come here and any, anything is possible. Now that accountability comes back to him to not only, you know, not do it again, but to pr- produce production, you know, wins and losses from Georgia. He has to take that feather in his cap and be able to – you can't go into kids, you know, you can't go and recruit – in person with anyone right now, but I mean, you gotta, you gotta use that as best you can to, to bring in some more talent and, and to have that, you know, turn into a, a better record over the next two, three years. And so now I guess, if anything, the pressure is kind of on Tom Crean. Now you, you've seen what he can do. You've seen that he can produce number one overall draft pick. Uh, you know, it's time for, for Georgia to be competitive in the conference on a consistent basis. I mean, that's where the bar has been set for this program. You mentioned Georgia not being a basketball school. It's not, but the resources are there. The talent is in Georgia. You beat out all the blue bloods for a guy that everyone knew, you know, had the ability to be great. He was the number one overall pick. Time to translate that into the actual program success and and put Georgia in a situation where, I mean, they can compete in in the division and, and in the, in the, in the conference title, get to multiple NCAA tournaments. I mean, that's really what Georgia wants it's from its basketball program. I mean, we're not talking about getting to the Final Four, you know, every four years. While that would be a bonus, we're talking about getting to the tournament and not having a first-round ex- exit. You know, getting to the tournament back-to-back years. That's really what you want from this program. 
And there really hasn't been a reason why you can't do that other than the fact that the conference has been really top heavy. You've had the same two or three programs kind of dominating for the last 10, 15 years. And now we know that Georgia can bring in elite talent. It's got to do it consistently. And that's, that's where Tom Crean needs to, to kind of move the needle a little bit is to bring that consistency to Georgia and allow them to get in the tournament, you know, every year or every other year. And, you know, I, I think all the recipe, you know, all the pieces are there. He just got to put it all together over the next two to three years. Well said. Let's jump into a break real quick. And on the other side, we're going to get into Georgia Mississippi State with predictions, players of the game, all that jazz. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. All right, guys, let's let's get into our predictions here and kind of talk about uh, what we expect to see in this game. But first, key matchup, Rusty, what, what, are you, what are you looking at? What do you want to see as far as a, a matchup? Uh, coaches, players, players versus coaches, cheerleaders versus cheerleaders, what you got? How Georgia defends this passing game. You know, this is not their M.O. now to sit back and let somebody, you know, bend and, and break. You know, is Georgia going to – you know, man these guys up and try to run and trail and pattern match and those types of things with them. You know, kind of the the footprint again. Barry Odom did something totally different than what LSU did, and everybody's kind of been that way so far. Is Georgia going to sit back and play a lot more zone? Which is that's that's you know that that's not that's not Kirby Smart and Dan Lanning style. So uh, I know all the eyes and you, you know you guys will probably touch on the quarterback situation, but for me defensively, what, how's Georgia going to do this? Um, uh, you know, how they're going to match up linebacker-wise. Uh, be some guys in space. Obviously, Mike Leach is a – he's a passing game guy, so he's going to know what Florida did to them. Um, it's a copycat league, NFL, SEC. You'll see it. So, he's going to put Georgia's linebackers in some space. How do they adjust to that? But really interested in how Georgia, um, you know, defends this team uh, first time, Kirby Smart. Uh, my, I think first time Kirby Smart versus Mike Leeds. Kip, what you looking at, man? Uh, you know, I think that overall, I, I want to see what the receivers can do. And, and I think that you look at Mississippi State, that's kind of the aspect of their defense you can take advantage of. You know, they, they have allowed some, some big plays to opposing uh, passing attacks. And, I mean, the one aspect of this passing attack that you really haven't been able to see is yardage after the catch. I mean, as you know, as far as guys being able to, to, you know, catch the ball, the drops haven't really been there. They've been about, you know, it's been about the same as last year, you know, not, not necessarily uh, anything that's hurting them too much. I think the, the biggest issue is just that 
they're not getting any yards after the catch and they're not breaking tackles after the catch. And that's just an aspect, uh, you know, that is, is, is kind of lacking this group overall. And it just goes back to them not having someone to really stretch the defense, in my opinion, since Miko Harbin left. And Rusty's talked about it. Uh, a guy that, you know, they really are looking forward to getting on the field is, is Arian Smith. And he's continuing to, you know, work his way back. He's been able to, to get reps in practice, as, as Jake's reported. And, I mean, if, if this is going to be, you know, we're, we've talked about the quarterback situation a lot, but – if we get to see Arian Smith's debut, you know, this weekend, that that's something I'd like to see. I mean, he's maybe it's it's not where he could be, you know, as far as just having all of his explosiveness back or or being ready, uh, as far as the playbook's concerned. But seeing him get reps on the field could bring a different dynamic to this offense and really kind of open things up. I mean, Kiaris Jackson. He's kind of been the offensive MVP or just the maybe the team MVP overall just from what he's been able to do and, and helping out in, in multiple facets of the game. But a guy like Aaron Smith can really kind of open things up for, for the rest of the receivers, and, and that's what I'm looking to see. I mean, I want to see this group start kind of playing up to their potential, uh, getting more experience, and, 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 breaking some, and breaking some plays after the catch because it's really – allowed defenses to kind of you know keep keep everything in front of them so far this year not really having to respect Georgia's passing attack you know having explosive plays down the field and having explosive plays after the catch and a guy like Arian Smith can can do that I mean it's just you start breaking tackles and you you start uh you know stretching the defense downfield it changes everything as far as what the defenders do as far as their eyes and 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 how fast they're able to play on defense and, and i think that really w- would help georgia just break things open and, and obviously help the running game as well you got two things i'm looking at both of them are from offense both of them are from the quarterback position and and going back to that guy you spoke about a while ago kip uh, uh zach arnett um, I think he's a very innovative defensive coordinator. I think he's one of the better defensive coordinators you probably haven't heard of in college football. And, uh, you know, I flipped on Mississippi State. Uh, I, you know, I watched a few um, games. And one of the things that that kind of jumped out to me was the zone blitz. And that it was it was something that um, – he has different variations of, and, and he runs it out of different things. And that three three five, you know, Georgia actually technically is base defense is a three three five as well. Um, uh, it just looks a lot different because it looks like a four man front because of an outside linebacker on the line of scrimmage with his hand on the ground. Uh, but but you know, to to get back to the point, um, that that defense, whether he stacks it, whether he offsets it, and you know, it, it moves some guys around. Sometimes he'll leave the middle of the field basically void at the linebacker position, drop somebody in there. He does a lot of overload stuff where he'll get three on two off the off the quarterback's, you know, uh, 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 front side and, and then drop a guy to the other side thinking that he can bait the quarterback into throwing the ball away from the blitz. And JT Daniels, having not played live action, having not taken a hit in 15 months, is going to have to deal with that because he's going to have some times where he's going to get a free runner at him and he's got to get it out quick. He's going to be better served to throw over the blitz as opposed to away from it because they're trying to rob that underneath stuff. And I think Georgia's going to have to take care of the football. JT Daniels is going to have to take care of the football in those situations. It's not something that he hasn't seen before um, because everybody kind of has a little bit of a, a package in there that they try to confuse a quarterback with as far as that goes. And, you know, Todd Munkin, 
has shown us, and this is on the point two from, from the quarterback position, he's shown us he can dial up chances for Georgia to hit things downfield. You know, if, you, if you're a Georgia fan and you haven't gone back and looked at that Florida game and missed opportunities keep you from sleeping at night, don't do it. Don't do it. All right, watch something else. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm watching The Wire right now for like the sixth, seventh time. So go do that. Go check it out. If you've seen it once or none, I don't care. Watch that instead. Go watch, you know, Teletubbies or, or whatever your kids watch or, or just go for a walk. Don't watch the game again. It's going to bother you about missed opportunities because Georgia ran the same play that Kyrus Jackson caught for 49 yards against Auburn, against Florida, instead some Bennett overthrew him. And, you know, they had a drop pass in there, but, you know, the, the fake toss, throw the tight end, didn't convert on that, had Demetrius Robertson open a couple times downfield, wasn't able to hit him. Can Georgia hit that shot? That's what I want to see. You know, if, if, they, if they run something similar and Kyrus Jackson's able to get behind the defense, can JT Daniels put it on him so he can run it in and, and have that big game? Because that's something that I think would re- – it goes along the same lines of what Kip's saying, but to me that's something that would I think would do a ton – for Georgia's offensive confidence is to be able to hit that throw, go back to the sideline, tap, pat each other on the helmet, share some smiles, share some laughs over it, have the offensive lineman tell you about how he barely got the block that he needed to make it time, and everybody kind of share their war stories for a second, then go out there and play some more offense. Because I think those things are really important when you're trying to get up off the mat a little bit offensively. And Georgia's offensive, I'm sorry, Georgia's passing game is absolutely trying to get off the mat right now. Because if my math is correct, I think it's 18 of 43 over the past two games uh, with, with – I'm trying to do the math in my head – five interceptions and two touchdowns. That's, that's not going to cut it, okay? That's just not going not to get you anywhere. Not going to get you to the SEC championship game. Georgia's not, probably not going to the SEC championship game. It's not going to get you to a national championship game, a playoff. It's not going to get you anywhere. That's got to improve, and I think one of the things that would help is is hitting one of those guys behind the defense and and having a walk in touchdown and and you know having something to feel good about, and I think that can have a ripple effect on the offense for the rest of the season. Rusty, what's your prediction and player of the game? Oh man, I can't say twenty to six, can I? If you do, <laughs> if if you do and it comes true, there's not going to be anything good that comes out of being right. Um, I'll go Georgia. I'll go Georgia 38, uh, Mississippi State 13. And I think this is going to be a game where uh, you will see Georgia turn it loose a little bit. But, you know, let's not try to change the entire team. We do want to see – I know what this board wants to see when I say win. uh, But when I say we. So I I think that you'll see – you'll see – JT Daniels throw at some. You're also going to see them, the guys run the ball and try to establish a line of scrimmage, and that's how you win games. And um, I, I'm going to go player of the game. I think it's about time for this young man. Uh, he's going to get some touches this week, and I think that he'll come back to where he was kind of early in the season. I think Kyrus Jackson's going to be that guy. I think he catches a couple of touchdown passes, and I'll go 38-13 to 13, Georgia. Very cold night, Jake. You better be bundled up up there, my man, and I'll go uh, Kyrus Jackson's my player of the game. Kip, before you start, I, I, one of us needs to take on the task, or, or if you're a listener and you want to help us out, um, I want somebody to go back and look at players of the game and, and see who's done the best this season. Because I, I, I feel like, and I, I may be wrong on this, I feel like Kip is like 80% on this. I feel like just about every time out, 
if his guy's not the player of the game, he still balls. And so that I, I want to – if somebody wants to go back and do that for us, I'd appreciate it. If not, it's probably not going to get done because I'll forget about it in, in 15 minutes. But uh, I, I say that to say this. Whoever Kip says for player of the game, keep an eye on that guy. Well, no pressure at all, no pressure. I'm going to put even more <laughs> pressure on it, I guess, just by naming who I think the player of the game is. I'll come out and say that. I, you know, I, I think this is the a statement, a potential bounce back, uh, not so much bounce back, but, hey, he's still here moment for, for, for George Pickens. I think, that, you know, if he comes out and he's healthy and he's able to, to get out there and play, the matchups bode pretty well for him. And I just look at that Vanderbilt game the Vanderbilt Mississippi State game, and I mean that Vanderbilt's passing attack. It's it's not great that you can compare it to Georgia's this season, but this is where we're at right now. They're very comparable in their production, how they've been able to perform so far this year. And Cam Johnson, I mean, he had 114 yards on them, and and then Keon Henry Brooks also had 97 yards receiving on Mississippi State. And Vanderbilt threw for 336 yards on them, and so it's just, you know, that secondary is the part of Mississippi State's defense that you know you can you can make big plays on, and I think that it sets up well for George Pickens. And then overall, just looking at you know Vanderbilt's defense or Vanderbilt's offense like I said before it's surprising you know how badly they performed and it looks like I think uh KJ Costello won't be uh he's it's not likely he's going to play against Georgia so they'll be going uh I think against uh Will Rogers the freshman there and you just look at what they've been able to do you know they they scored 14 against Arkansas they only scored what two against Kentucky and they didn't score against Alabama. And I think they put up 24 against Vanderbilt. So you look at Georgia's defense, you know, they have something to prove as well. I would argue that their defense, you know, on their best day is is, is better than pretty much any of those teams. And so right now I, I, I look at this matchup and I think if Vanderbilt, I mean, if Mississippi State's able to score offensively, it's probably because of a short field and a turnover. You know, that's, you know, you could probably, there's a good chance that's going to happen. At the same time, you know, their defense is aggressive. I think that they're one of the better teams in the country as far as forcing turnovers. So, you know, they're, they're, they're good for a, a turnover or two in this game, you know, against Georgia. But uh, I think Georgia just has, you know, too much talent defensively to for them to, to get in the red zone more than a couple of times. And I think Georgia's going to have a lot of possessions in this game. A couple of those will be field goals. I got Georgia winning uh, 34 to 10. All right. I, I think the first, the early part of this game, and I do this a lot, it's just because of the trend I've seen from Georgia against teams that should beat up on. I think that, I think that this game is going to be kind of frustrating for fans early on. Um, I, 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 while Mississippi State's defense is fresh, I think Georgia's going to have a hard time running the football. I think the passing game, JT Daniels knocking off the rust, is going to be a little bit herky-jerky kind of early on. But but I do think Georgia eventually kind of runs away with it. Um, I, I'm going to pick a final score of 34-6. to six. Um, And I, my player of the game is a guy that, that had a couple of 100 total yard games and then kind of didn't do a ton against Florida. Uh, I'm going James Cook, and the reason I'm going James Cook is I think this game for JT Daniels, when it's all said and done, is going to look a little bit better than it is 
because I think he's going to dump it off to James Cook a couple times, whether it's a screen, angle route, something to the flat, that a busted coverage, whatever, that, that James Cook's going to turn into a big player too. And I think he's going to go over 100 yards again, a touchdown or two. Um, you know, one of the things, and, and, and I'm going to put this in MD in the notebook, uh, it's a feature I do, a VIP feature I do every Friday uh, before the game, um, is that, you know, one of the things I've heard this week about JT Daniels is one of the things that he's grown at since, since you know, starting to get more first-team reps is he had a real big tendency early on to check down the running backs. Threw to the running backs a lot, would just kind of dump it off and get the ball out of his hands real quick. And uh, I think he's going to do that a couple of times on Saturday, and it's going to pay off for him because I think James Cook against the tired Mississippi State defense, third, fourth quarter, is going to bust off a couple big ones and, and kind of be the player of the game in this one. But but I, I listen, I I think this I think Mississippi State's defense is well coached. I think it's got some talent, and and I think it's going to give Georgia some problems early. I just don't think it's going to be able to maintain that for four quarters, and I think Georgia's going to get through it, sort it out, wear them down. And, uh, and eventually run away with it. That's it for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. We'll be back with you on Sunday to talk about the game. Cross your fingers that it happens, and uh, we'll, uh, we look forward to it. Uh, for this one, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place, and you guys take it easy. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.